Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, grab your Bible, go with me to the book of Matthew. What am I saying? Y'all don't bring your Bibles. Pull out your phone. <laughs> You're like, my Bible's only got 8%. <laughs> Let me put my Bible on do not disturb mode. You got your Bible out. Go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. You know it's true. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. And I'm going to be reading from the message translation. We're going to have to play something to like get these people back excited because I announced the, 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 the shutdown and now everybody's... Okay, okay. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse number 28 through 30. I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible. Believe that or not. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Are you tired? <laughs> No. Yes. Tired of this COVID virus. Tired of breathing in my own breath with this mask. Can't walk to the car without being short of air. Are you wore out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, this is the line I want you to pay attention to. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That's good. You missed a good chance to give me a muffled amen right there. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I won't lay anything heavy on you. I won't put anything heavy on you. Watch. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Can I get an amen? All right, Jansen, you're good, brother. Thank you. Last Sunday, I, uh, I started a series, and I use the term series very loosely because I'm not good at preaching series. Uh, it's more like a bunch of things I wanted to talk about, and all the cool preachers put it in a series, so I thought I'd give it a shot. I don't have any cool graphics or anything like that or any handouts for you to fill out, maybe next time. Probably not next time either, but I just thought I'd give you some hope. Started a series called The Bible Never Said That. <laughs> the Bible Never Said That. Or if I was going to title it another way, I would call it The Bible Doesn't Tell Me So. The Bible Doesn't Tell Me So. And my entire goal is to bother you. I preached six weeks on racism and my goal was not to bother you. Now I'm preaching on the Bible. My goal is to absolutely bother you. My goal is to make that Christian fundamentalism cringe down on the inside of you beyond belief. Okay. That's my goal. I want to, I want to shock you. And uh, I want to take all those sacred cows that we love and we pet and we feed and we nurture and we tell other people about. We're going to drag them out behind the barn. Shoot them. 
Because we say this statement all the time, and I see people, I'll see somebody post something, you know, utterly absurd on Facebook with a random scripture from Haggai connected to it. And then they'll say something along the lines of, well, I believe what the Bible says. Well, I believe what the Bible says. And Facebook is either, Facebook is a great teacher of restraint if you let it teach you that. And so there's so many times I want to fire back. No, you don't believe what the Bible says. You believe what you believe the Bible says. There is a difference. God's word, this is going to be a shocking revelation for so many of us. God's word and our interpretations of God's word are not equally divine. The Bible is never called into question. It's God's word. Our interpretations need to desperately be called into question. Because we say things and think things about God that are absolutely unworthy of him. Okay? So we don't believe what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced if most of the church actually knew what the Bible said, they would in fact not believe it. Be like, there's no way that's how good God is. There's no way that's what that text means. Because most of our conviction, are y'all okay? Everybody okay? Because most of our conviction, most of our doctrine, most of our theology is something that we inherited. For most of us, from TV preachers with charts and graphs. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. Most of our theology is things that we've inherited through tradition. It wasn't ideas about God shaped by communion with the Holy Spirit in God's word. It was passed down conviction. And Jesus even tells the Pharisees something about this. He says, you made the word of God of none effect through your tradition." He's saying, in other words, when I say to you what I'm trying to say to you, your tradition rears its ugly head and fights back against the reality of what I'm trying to communicate about who God is to the point that we would rather settle for a less beautiful vision of God as long as we got to hold on to our pet doctrines. We would settle for a less beautiful vision of God as long as we got to hold on to what was comfortable and what was familiar. And But we don't realize the implications of that because the implications of that is if it's not true, then we are worshiping a God that we've created in our own image and not the real God of the Bible. You with me? And so... You nullify the word of God through your tradition. And Jesus was telling the Pharisees, he was trying to cast a brand new vision to the Pharisees of who God was. Their tradition, their tradition would rear its ugly head. And I, and I know you're like, you calling us a Pharisee? I'm calling all of us Pharisees. Okay. 
I told you a couple of weeks ago, we always like to read ourselves into the best parts of the Bible. We're always Joseph. We're never Joseph's brothers. We're always Jesus. We're never Judas. We know some Judases, but we're not a Judas. We know some haters, but we're not a hater. We're always Jesus. We're never the Pharisees. And Jesus is trying to communicate to them who God is. And their tradition is coming back and attacking the clear revelation of God. And Jesus is telling them, you are worshiping a God. He even says this, you worship a God that you don't even know. That you don't even know. Now, last week, the very first thing that we talked about, and you'll hear this all the time. You hear this statement all the time. And my point last week was, the Bible did not say that. And it was this statement. And you tell me if you ever heard this. Everything happens for a reason. That's ridiculous. You know that, right? And if you don't believe me, I preached on it for 45 minutes last week. I ain't got time to revisit it. Let me give you another one. Last week, everything happens for a reason. Here's another one. There's another statement that we hand out to people as a little cute Christian platitude, and it's completely wrong. Everything about it's wrong. This is what we tell people. Well, God won't give you anything too heavy to bear. He won't give me too much that I can't carry it. I remember several years ago, I was in a a counseling session with this precious woman, precious woman, and I wasn't in there by myself, relax. And uh, we were talking, she just went through a, a devastating divorce, devastating divorce. Her and her husband had been married, I don't remember how long. They were empty nesters now, right? Every parent's goal, every parent's goal. Sierra, you need to get on the good, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> we're headed that direction. Every parent's go. they were empty nesters. They had the rest of their life planned out. They were still relatively young. And uh, they had all these plans and dreams and hopes and aspirations and all these things that they wanted to do. And their marriage looked like it couldn't have been better. Come to find out he had had, he had an entirely different life. He had to travel a lot for work. And he had an entirely different life outside of this home with the woman that I was talking about. Uh, an entire, I mean, an entirely different life. That whenever he would leave for work, he and his other wife would go and travel the world and do their, do their thing. And uh, so I'm talking to this lady, and I remember in the conversation, she was, just, she was absolutely just broken to pieces, obviously. And she was telling me everything that she had been through, and she was telling me all of these dreams that they had together, things they used to sit down and talk about over coffee in the morning, about this is what we're going to do, and ain't it going to be great when we're able to do this and able to do that? And then they start dreaming about grandkids together and everything that that means and, 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 all, and all of this, and now it's gone. Now it's gone. And on top of that, she, she didn't work. The husband was, he was the one that, that, that had the job and made the money, and now not only does she have a marriage crisis, because he's leaving her, they're getting divorced, and they are divorced today. They are divorced. Now she has also a financial crisis on top of a marriage crisis. A marriage crisis is bad enough. Pour a financial crisis on top of it. 
And then she discovered she had some health issues. She was having health issues because of things she contracted from her husband. If you get my drift. A marriage issue on top of a money issue on top of a health issue. She was also having problems with her aging parents. So now there's another family issue. And then the stress of all of that. And I remember I was sitting there talking to her and, yeah, what do you say to that? Everything happens for a purpose. That's about the dumbest thing you could possibly say. And she was weeping. She was broken up. She made this statement to me. She said this. She said, the Lord must think that I'm really strong because I know the Bible says he won't put more on me than I can bear. And I, but without thinking, without thinking, it just came out of me. I said, there's nothing about that statement, right? I was raised in a church where you were taught to interpret bad things happening in your life as punishment for private sin. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you were in your house and you had a bad thought about somebody and you walk out and now your tire's flat, well, I hear you, Lord. Y'all were raised like that? That everything that was bad that happened in our life either happened for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was probably because you're living in secret sin, you wicked scoundrel. That's probably number one. If it wasn't that, if it wasn't because you were living in sin, then stuff was coming into your life because God was trying, if God was not trying to bring you to repentance, then God was trying to teach you something. We don't know what. I don't know what you could possibly learn through getting cancer. But this is what we tell people. Or if it's not to teach you something, if it's not to draw you to it, that's what people are saying online right now. Preachers. Preachers. Well, God sent the coronavirus to America to bring us to our knees. There's nothing about that right. If that is your version of God, he is certainly not worth worshiping. Don't you remember all the times when Jesus went through the New Testament putting sickness on people to draw them to repentance? Exactly. Jesus went through towns breaking sickness off of people, not putting it on people. God isn't... Well, no, we ain't going to go there. All right. Or people, people won't make it about sin. They'll say, God sent this virus to teach us to slow down. There's nothing about that right either. The Bible never said that. You made that up. And you got a meme to go with it, which is fine. The Bible never, the Bible didn't tell you that. Think of this vision of God that that kind of mentality creates. That he won't put more on me than I can bear. He won't put more. So think about that. God sitting in heaven adding small drops of hell to your life until he figures out you've had enough, right? Well, I will send, I'll send, 
I don't know, let's send, let's let, let's let their house get foreclosed on. Let's see how that works. A little bit of help. Oh, they handled that pretty good. Let's give their mother cancer. Let's give her breast cancer. Let's give her stage four breast cancer with three months to live. Let's see how they handle that. Oh, yeah, oh, they're breaking. Maybe I need to back off. Maybe I will tell them she's in remission now. And after they recover and they feel strong again, maybe I'll pour it back on to make them feel really strong and teach them that I won't get, what kind of God is that? When that lady said that to me, where that, that God must think that I'm strong and God must, God must really, really believe a lot. That, that, that statement that came out of me, there is nothing about that right. Listen, listen to me good. Are you hearing me? Listen to this. Whenever you hear claims about God, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slow down and I'm going to say this right because I, I want you to get this. Whenever you hear claims about God that violate your moral instinct of what good, good and evil are, whenever you hear somebody ascribe something to God and they call it good, but by any human standard it would be evil, then it's not God. And I, I, people have a hard time with it. People have a very hard time because they're like, well, now, brother, I get this all the time. I get this all the time. Now, brother, you can't make God bend to what we believe good actually is. Because after all, our understanding of goodness is fallen and corrupt. And to that I say, Amen. Our understanding of goodness is fallen and corrupt. And even in our corrupt understanding and revelation of goodness, we still ascribe things to God that even in our corrupt nature still deem as evil. Does that make sense to you? I'm going to slow down and say this right. We can't cause God to bend to our understanding of goodness because our understanding of goodness is fallen and corrupt. I agree with you. But if our understanding of goodness is corrupt and fallen, and I believe it is, that doesn't mean God's is lower than that. It means God's is greater than that. I'm trying to say I'm trying to say this just right without really freaking you out. Jesus taught us to think about God in this way. This is how Jesus taught us to interpret God. If you then, being evil, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father which is in heaven give good things to those that ask? Okay. Now, there's not a parent in here unless you're a sadistic that would inflict their children with disease to teach them anything. That is a moral sense of goodness that you have and Jesus called that evil. You wouldn't do that. But we ascribe it to God all the time. And we say silly things like, well, his ways are higher than our ways. No, evidently his ways are more wicked than our ways. 
And if that is your sense, if you wouldn't do that, but you serve a God that would, then we have effectively created a God morally inferior to us. What I'm trying to tell you is, this is the one key that you need to use to interpret everything in your life. That God is ultimate goodness. He is goodness beyond what you think. His goodness is not different than what you think. It is beyond what you think. It transcends what you think. He is by infinite degrees better than everything you think that he is. So any theology that detracts or steals from this revelation that God is infinite goodness, I would look at you and say, the Bible did not tell you that. Anything that we say about God that makes him less than the most beautiful picture of ultimate goodness that we've ever seen, it is not God at all. I figured I'd get a little bit more amens in that. You mean, watch, 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 watch. People have a, you start talking about this, people have a hard time. Like, now I, now, I know he's good. But are you telling me he's that good? No, I'm telling you he's better than that. God is infinitely greater than the best person you know. If you then, being evil... Know how to give good things to your children. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang in here with me. Hang in here with me. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven give good things to those that ask him? When we say the word good, we all have a functioning idea, a functional idea of this is good and this is not good. Healing, good. Disease, bad. Right? Human flourishing, good. Human suffering of any kind. Love, hate. Peace, fear, fear of any kind. Bad. Okay, we have that functional idea. We can separate those categories good, bad. Good, bad. That's good, that's bad. Right? Life is good. Death of any kind, bad. Right? Yeah. That's not a stretch. That's not a trick question. Okay? We know the difference between good and bad. Now, if we know life is good and death is bad, and we know that God is infinite goodness, how do we reconcile attributing death to him in any way? And this is what people say again. His ways are higher than our ways. If our understanding of goodness is actually bad, and God's understanding of bad is actually goodness, then we can never know anything about God. Right. Yeah, that's true. 
God wired you as his image bearer with an understanding of good and evil. And that is a tool that we are to use to interpret and understand him rightly. If I say life is good and death is bad, but then we say God gives death because God is good. And in some weird, Olympically stupid, mental gymnastics kind of way, we say, nope, that's really good. I know it looks bad. I know it feels bad, but it's really good. Nope, he really has killed 120,000 people with the coronavirus because America allows gay people to get married. Which is exactly what people say. If that's really good, then that means the humans that have been the most evil throughout history have been the most like God. The, the number, listen, if I don't get anything into you, I want to get this into you. The number one idea you have to hang your understanding of God on is this. He is good. And his goodness is not different than my understanding of goodness. His goodness is bigger and higher and greater and more beautiful than my understanding of goodness. And that means that everything doesn't happen for a reason. That God doesn't use evil for his own purposes in some sinister kind of way. God does good in spite of evil. And that also means that God, listen, is against evil in all of its manifestations. Everything that has ever stolen peace from you or joy or love or life from you, everything in your life that has ever stolen anything from you in that way, God was not behind it. God was against it and with you. You hear what I'm saying? God is always against evil in all of its manifestations, and God is always for you. I know that that's the weirdest thing. It's very hard for evangelical Christians to believe that God actually loves people because we hate them so much. We do. We hate them so much. I, well, I ain't going to say that. And we, 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 we embrace the idea that God is against human suffering. God is also against your suffering. Which means God doesn't put anything on you. Jesus said, I will not put anything heavy on you. So when we are walking through soul-crushing, breaking experiences in life, we cannot ascribe that to God. God is not behind that. God is against that. God is not putting anything on you. God is the place we run to when life is putting it on us. When evil visits our life, God is against it and he is for us. I'm telling you, man, I, 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 hear, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. 
I want you to, to notice. I want you to notice. I want you to notice how difficult, how challenging it is. When somebody stands up and says, God is goodness. He is infinite goodness. Notice how many questions pop up in our mind. Well, what about this and this? And then the Bible says this. Does the Bible say that or is that what you think the Bible says? There is a big difference. Give me, give me two more minutes. I got two more minutes. Raise your hand if you'll give me two more minutes. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. That's an old preacher trick. You like that? <laughs> That's my dad joke. <laughs> I heard three people go, oh, wow. Oh, wow. 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 That's what we're doing. Wow. When I say God is transcendent goodness. Goodness is just another name for God. Beauty is just another name for God. Mercy and truth and justice is just another name for God. Goodness is just another name for God. People have all sorts of questions. Wait, wait, wait. wait what do you mean when you say good? What do you mean when you say God is love? What do you mean? What do you mean? Because our let me say this as emphatically as I can. Because our outrageous, unbiblical Christian theology that we've promoted for 50 years has corrupted almost everything we know to be true about God. We can't, we can't, there's still a part of us that believes somewhere God still has to be a little bit hateful. He's at least got to be, he's at least got to not like the people I don't like. Right? He's at least got to be against those people. Somewhere deep down inside of us, we still believe that God is hateful enough to give me what I deserve. When the entire message of the gospel is he doesn't give you what you deserve. Well, now, brother, I don't. No, he doesn't give you what you deserve. The more people embrace God as good, the more they walk in love towards other humans. Because now they're not living under this hateful taskmaster that they're trying to appease. Jesus said, I will not put how many of you over the course of your life you've heard that statement god won't put anything on me that i can't handle he won't, he won't give me too much to bear what i'm telling you this morning is god's not giving you any of that well now brother there's a scripture in first corinthians i know there's a scripture in first corinthians i've read the bible he will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able he's talking about sexual immorality in corinth how do we make this stuff about us? God is not in the heaviness. God is against the heaviness. That's why I said, if you keep company with me, I'll teach you to live free and I'll teach you to live light. <laughs> oh, God. 
if I, if I can't get anything in you, I've got to get this in you. That as good as you think God is, he's better than that. God's goodness, hear me good, and I'm going to shut up with this. God's goodness cannot be over-exaggerated. See, we have trouble with that, don't we? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Because I read the book of Revelation. And I'm pretty sure he kills everybody. And I believe what the Bible says. No, that's what you believe the Bible says. But that's not what the Bible says. Had somebody t- talk to me the other day. I was talking about the goodness of God, and they said, well, what do you make of, what do you make of all the killing in the Old Testament? Y'all ever ask yourself that question? You ever read the Old Testament and say, no, Lord? <laughs> now, Jesus, you're going to have to help a brother out because I'm trying real hard to defend you. Here's the thing. A lot of people don't read it that way. They reach slaughter of innocent women and children like, yes, yeah, William Wallace. Jesus isn't Mother Teresa. He's William Wallace. Well, I I'm, I'm, I'm editing. I had a preacher say one time, he was, he was talking about American history. He's talking about when we came, colonialized America and drove out the Native Americans. He was throwing all the Bible verses out there like, you go slay the Canaanites. It's like, yes. What kind of a, of a distorted vision of God and human beings must you possess? Yes. I heard a preacher say one time that what, what we did to the Native Americans was the wealth of the wicked being laid up for the righteous because they didn't serve God and we did. The Bible didn't tell you that. Do you see how corrupt our thinking about God has become? You interpret God through this lens, he is ultimate goodness. Goodness is his name. And he is never in, behind, or for evil in any of its forms. And he is never in, behind, or for heaviness that comes into your life. He is against evil, and he is against the things stressing you out. Because it's easy to get lost in this vision of, oh, he is infinite, transcendent goodness. Yes, but he's also personal. He is infinite. He is, he is the, the infinite source of all that is, but he's also your father. You hearing what I'm saying? I've lost you. Come on, stand up. He said, if you 
will keep company with me. I will teach you how to live free and light. And my message to you really this morning is really simple. That if you're carrying heaviness, it's not because he put it on you. The Bible never said that. If you're carrying heaviness, he wants to take it off of you. That's why he said, come keep company with me. Walk with me. Learn of me. The King James says, learn of me, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. God is good. He's better than you imagine. Father, we love you today. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. And I pray for every person in this room, Lord, carrying heaviness of any kind. Carrying weight of any kind. Stress from work. Family problems. Money problems. Marriage problems. Single problems. Weight and heaviness of any kind. You're not the one doing it. You're not the one behind it. You're not the one in it. You came to set the captive free, not make the captive bound. You're good. Can you just lift your hands to him and take 20 seconds and just love on him? You're good, Lord. You're not in this virus. You're not in people getting sick. You're not in people being hospitalized. You're not in people losing their jobs because they committed a sin. That's not who you are. You're good. You're good. And your mercy endures forever. The psalmist said, your anger lasts a moment, but your favor lasts a lifetime. Your anger lasts a moment, but your favor, it lasts a lifetime. And God, I pray that you heal our minds, that you deliver our minds from everything that we have thought about you, for the ways that we have thought about you that are absolutely unworthy of you. Break the lies off of us. The things that would distort our picture of who you are. Help us see you clearly. And Lord, I pray for everybody in this room that's carrying heaviness or weight or stress or anxiety of any kind. And I declare over you today, God wants to lift that off of you. He didn't do that to you. He didn't do that to you. He's not trying to teach you anything through that. 
He's not trying to bring you to repentance through that. That's a lie. It's his goodness that leads you to repentance. And everything in your life that's not good is not him. We would call you forward and pray, but I know with the, with the virus, we just stay right there where you are. And just one more time, lift those hands to him. Father, let your goodness grip us. Let your goodness grip us. Let your goodness grip us. And we pray for your intervention in every area of our life where there's heaviness or brokenness. We pray for you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Give Jesus one more shout. Hallelujah. (laughs) Y'all probably like, yeah, that's good. Now, what about them Old Testament stories? Because you talked about... We'll we'll teach on that another time. You love Jesus this morning? You believe God's good? Three of you. You believe God's good? Listen, I guess this is goodbye for two weeks. That stinks, doesn't it? Um, But please, please, please stay connected with us through social media. I also want to remind you, I want to remind you, everybody, look, 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 look. When the first shutdown happened, I did what we called midweek virtuals every Wednesday night. Sometimes it got pushed to Thursday, sometimes it got pushed to Friday, so we just at that point called them a virtual. If they were no longer midweek, for the next two weeks at least, at least, since we're not going to be gathering together physically, we are going to resume those on a Wednesday night and get on there and just talk and teach and celebrate God and uh, minister to people as best as we can. We will, again, stay up to date through our social media, Instagram, Facebook. I love you all very much. God bless you. God bless you. And we will see you in Jesus' name. We make this declaration. We will see you the 1st of August. Amen? We love you so much. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.